This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is your AFC post-draft edition. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and I'm joined... But my dude Stucky, Stuck, what's going on? Haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. All is well. You're a little rusty. You know, we'll be back in the flow here before we know it. Starting to dive into some college football, just kind of scratching the surface, but have uh, been furiously updating NFL stuff since schedules came out, which is why we're doing this pod. The draft has happened. There's some trades that we'll talk about. Um, Still waiting on some quarterback news, so we'll see what happens on that front. We'll talk about that, but uh, all is well. Um, another year in the books. Like my season is just like you know, after college basketball, then we start a new one. Um, so I'm looking forward to this year. Another year of getting older. Um, <laughs> I was uh, out at a friend's with, with my wife's friends that I've become friends with. Her 21st birthday last night at uh, the bar, and uh, that didn't, you, I haven't felt quite that old in some time. Um, but uh, yeah, all is well. How about with you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm actually I'm on like the heater of my life in in and it's not in the NFL, so go figure. Um, <laughs> I think it's something like uh, fifty and twenty over the last two months or something like that. So trying to keep it going. Uh, have a have a prop on the uh, Warriors Mavericks game uh, that we're going to be recording as it's going on. So that we love you guys out there so much that we're not even watching this conference finals, although. Maybe uh, maybe that's for the best since none of them have been close. But uh, feeling good, man. Feel, excited to kind of get back into everything now that we have rosters pretty much set. We have, you know, actual schedules, not just the opponents. So uh, we're going to go through every team on this podcast. We'll also have an NFC episode that uh, should be dropping uh, as you guys are listening to this one. Uh, it should be out as well. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go team by team. We're going to talk about uh, draft picks. What do we think? Um we're going to talk about free agency additions, subtractions, you know, just how the roster is coming together, um, you know, how we're kind of power rating these teams. We'll talk about the schedule um, and uh, and we'll talk about, you know, obviously any betting implications now that we have uh, full rosters and schedules and all those things. So yeah. before we get into the teams, just a general question, which will kind of applies to every team that we'll talk about for both the AFC and NFC, because I think that you can apply some fantasy stuff to this too. Some A team's draft is never really – Without not excluding trades, right? But a team's draft is never really going to move the needle for me for where I had them before the draft mm-hmm. and then where I had them after. I'll, I'll slightly adjust them, but there, it's not, I don't think there's anything that a team can do. You know, maybe a, at one you get a quarterback, but I mean, we've seen rookie quarterbacks struggle before, and uh, sometimes it takes time. Look at Trevor Lawrence. So, how do you look at rookies? You could talk from a fantasy perspective and/or just their impact uh, and power into a team. Is it like, what a, a team there's a couple teams that we'll talk about that I think nailed almost every pick but I'm not moving them up a full win um yeah. because of a rookie draft class so how do you look at it from both a fantasy and betting perspective 
Uh, well, from fantasy, and I should mention, uh, Kerner and I have a, a fantasy episode out right now with our, uh, you know, draft implications. We're doing one for every division. So we have the A. We started with the AFC West. That episode should be out uh, right now, and then we're going to record uh, the NFC West this week, and we'll keep going for the next uh, seven weeks. But I think for fantasy, it's big for wide receivers and running backs, uh, guys drafted on day one, especially, and also day two to some extent. Um, we see a big drop off in usage rates in running backs and wide receivers after the first two days of the draft. But, you know, if you're drafted in the first round, second round, even the third round, uh, there's a good chance you're going to get, you know, starter level um, production or starter level targets out of them or, or you know, carries, whatever you uh, call it in depending on the position at those positions. Quarterback is, you know, different, obviously, you know, just depends uh, if you're starting or not, but um tight ends really never make an impact so you're not really looking at them uh, outside of a guy like Kyle Pitts who went last year in round one and there was no tight end like that this year maybe the Cardinals used McBride but he's still behind Zach Ertz on that depth chart um, but they might go more too tight end we'll talk about that in the next episode um and then from betting yeah it's it's not about really moving teams up a whole lot I do like to see um I, I think certain things are a little under the radar that might move them up a couple of you know, decimal points. Like I like when, you know, team, like a team, like the Ravens, for example. Um, and I'm sure you'll have a lot to say about them, but I like that they drafted like starter, starter caliber players at like maybe not the most key positions, but like they got a starting caliber center. They got a starting caliber safety. So like that can make a difference, um, you know, in, in terms of just plugging up weaknesses because you are kind of rating these teams based on, you know, the guys you think are going to play most of the snaps for most of the year. Um, and yeah. so when you could plug in a guy like Linderbaum at center, you can plug in a guy like Hamilton, you know, maybe at your you know, second or third safety or your nickel, whatever you dime, whatever you want to call it, that does kind of move the needle a little bit. And I think those moves tend to go under, under the radar. But then as far as like some of the By other the way, ones, you mentioned Linderbaum and, I, and we'll talk about him. But if you look historically on the history of the draft, the most slam dunk position to draft mm-hmm. in the first round has been center. Yep. It basically has almost never failed. It's you all, I think a hundred percent of the time in the last 20 years, they've re-signed with the same team, which shows you that it's, you know, it was a good draft pick. Um, so if you could find a good center in the first round, I'll get it. They're not, you're not going one overall, but centers generally uh, are a pretty sure thing uh, in the first round. Yeah. And then besides that, it's tough because a lot of the teams that, you know, are drafting guys at key positions are already either like so bad or they're drafting at the back of the first round or second round. And they're good enough that it's not going to move the needle either way. So like a team like Atlanta, it's like they got Drake London. A lot of people don't even think he's can separate and this and that, but like, that's not really even, I mean, their receiver depth chart was terrible going into the draft and it's still pretty terrible coming out of the draft. And you know, their quarterback still Marcus Mariota, the quarterback's class, I think this year, especially the quarterback class is not making a big impact on how we rate these teams because teams didn't really feel highly about the class. So who knows even how many starts these guys are going to get. Um, how what much do you mean? De- Desmond Ritter said he's going to stay in Atlanta until he brings home the Super Bowl. He might be there for the next 50 years. I don't know how many contracts it's going to take. Um, his his funeral is going to be on the, you know, on the Falcons <laughs> home field. He's essentially going to die a Falcon at this point. Hey, that's uh, one way I, I, I give him credit. That's one way to try to just get uh, maybe a lifetime contract before you play a game. I promise I will bring a Super Bowl here before I leave here. I'm not putting any time timing on it, but I will bring a Super Bowl to Atlanta. Sign me forever. 
puffy season, man. I hate I hate this time of year. People are all optimistic oh, and awful. shit. I'm like, that's how I like talking to you. You're like usually like, all right, I'm gonna point out what's wrong with these teams because it's like everyone's talking about what's right with these teams all off season and this and that. And everyone has zero losses. It's like, yeah, uh, not everyone. Look, it's not a net. Not everyone could have gotten better, and and not everyone is going to improve. Not all the draft picks are going to work out. It's not, but the coverage of teams. When you look at it, everyone generally looks at it from, uh, you know, with like rose-colored glasses. And, oh, well, they they drafted this position of need and this guy in the first round. Like, well, obviously, they needed a receiver. They're going to draft a receiver. Doesn't necessarily solve all of your issues from last year. Um, that's what some of the numbers help us with, and we'll, we'll dive in. Let's go. Uh, where are we going to start in the AFC? Our Bills, which, you know, is the team that is uh, kind of pegged by many as the best team in the AFC. Uh, they started out, uh, I'll just set up some things and then we can dive in. Uh, first round, Kyir Ilum, the cornerback. Uh, they got James Cook, a running back I really like at the end of the second round. Added Von Miller in free agency. He was a top five edge rusher in PFF grades. You know how good he is. Um, but even at this age, he's still, you know, the tape is still kind of backing that up. Uh, Tredavious White tore his ACL, so he may not return until midseason. Um, kind of a, you know, a median um Return date would be in October, um, just based on how those recoveries go. Um, every AFC team, by the way, has uh, nine road games, I believe. Uh, and then uh, the Bills, in, in terms of the winning um, pre, uh, win totals, their strength of schedule is middle of the pack, uh, 18th easiest. Um, and uh, their win totals, 11 and a half, juice to the over at minus 140. They underachieved their uh, Pythagorean win total. Uh, it was 13.1 last year, which is essentially looking at margin of victory to extrapolate to wins. Um, they only went 11 and six. So um, a lot to like about the Bills. What are you thinking about Buffalo in 2022? Yeah, I think yeah, you have, technically all the SC teams have nine road games, but not all of them are on the road. There's a couple exceptions. One being uh, Denver, who like one of their road mm -hmm. games is in London um, against Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, I, I love the, the bills. I have the, the highest rated team in the AFC, which shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. I really like their draft. I also really like the signing of Crowder. I think that's just like a, a sign that people aren't talking about enough on the cheap on the other side, on the flip side, I didn't really love the signing and what they paid and for Von Miller. Um, but overall, I think that last year, this offensive line was dealing with a lot of injuries. They bring in Saffold by the way, as well. When the offensive line was together, the offense was electric. You bring in a guy named Crowder, bring in a guy like Crowder. I also like um, the draft of Cook running back. I think out of the backfield, he can help them uh, as well. So the Bills are going to be right there. Trey White is the name to watch. Once he comes back, he's a lockdown corner. Number one, he's got to be healthy. But if Elam, you know, they're going to they're counting a lot on Elam if White isn't healthy. And I personally will talk about this a lot. I don't put too much stock into rookie cornerbacks um mm -hmm. it is a very difficult transition like for example we're going to get to the jets in the same division i am probably the biggest fan of sauce Gardner out there i think he's going to be a superstar but i can't i don't expect him to come in and be a lockdown shutdown corner in his rookie year um it is extremely rare there's going to be struggles it's an adjustment at this level. So you can't expect that Elam's going to come in and be okay. We don't even need white, but I think he, there, there's some upside there, but I think more so for the future. So white's the name to watch on that defense, because just having that shutdown corner takes that defense to the next level. The bills are right there. Unfortunately, 
Um, oh, by the way, Matt Ariza, I have to shout out the punter. I think that he's a, a, a punt god. Now, there was, if there was questions about his hang time, which my dream was the Ravens to get Ariza and have Ariza and Tucker. The, and the Ravens drafted a punter before Ariza, which wasn't. I love their. I love the Ravens draft except for that one move, but we'll see how it works out. Hey, I mean, um, don't don't hate on the Ravens. Maybe they know something we don't. Like, yeah, you know what no, I mean. It was like, a lot of hang time. Like the hang time was <laughs> was apparently like not. That's all that really matters in the NFL. It's like you're not going to be punting from your own five a lot in altitude, punting at ninety yards, and a lot of times you might outkick your coverage in uh, the NFL. But I I really did like the. I, I think this kid Shakir from Boise had some like promise. Him. Like uh, him a lot. Yeah. So I like I like the Bills draft um, a lot. I think that they improve their team. They're going to be right there. Their win total is, you know, a juiced over under 12 or over 11 and a half. It's right in between those two numbers. I project them at 11.7. So I show no value here, but I have them power rated. It's not just the best team in the AFC, but in the entire NFL. The main questions are when does Trey White come back and how healthy is he? Is he? What does the loss of Brian Dable mean? And then where does Josh Allen go? Like, you know, we see sometimes he's he, he made that leap, and then we've seen, okay, now there's some little bit of accuracy issues. Then we see him explode again. Is he going to be consistent? And is he going to get even better this year, or does he take a step back? That's the only thing I would worry about from a Bills fan perspective. This team will be there. They'll be in the dance. Hopefully they learn how to squib kick. Uh, unfortunately, there's no value in the futures market from my perspective. Uh we didn't get there last year, but we gave it a run. Um, but yeah, those are going to be right there, like what they did in the draft, and uh, they're a legit contender. Yeah, and uh, their their schedule is also interesting. Uh, our producer Matt Mitchell wanted me to point out that they have five primetime games this year. They uh, in eighteen seasons before Josh Allen arrived, they never had more than two. Uh, and like way back in the day, you know, people who are older fans may remember like oh two to oh six, they didn't even have any. So like this team has, you know, this franchise over the last couple of decades has really turned it around, um, you know, maybe trying to get back to that heyday in the 90s. Um, but uh, I think my, I wanted to ask you about, you know, how worried would you be? Because I know you have the Bills at 11.7 wins. I, I, I agree. I don't think there's any value in the in the win total or in the futures market in general, just because they're kind of so they're priced very highly. But like, how worried are you if they get off to a slow start? Because I'm looking at their early season schedule and at the Rams, home versus the Titans, at Miami, at Baltimore in the first four games. Um, and then their sixth game is, Kansas, is at Kansas City. Uh, then they get a bye, an early bye in week seven. Uh, and then they come off that bye and they have to face Green Bay. Uh, they're at home for that game. But I mean, that is not an easy early season schedule for a team that so many people have high hopes for. Yeah. I, I actually taken a slightly different viewpoint. Cause I agree. When I first looked at the central, that was my first thought, but I kind of let now look, there's people will talk about a super bowl hangover. That hasn't really been the case. And we'll have pieces on that, but like the super bowl winner, it's not like an auto fade in the first game of the next year, but I actually like them. The spread will be right around a pick. I assume I actually like them in that week one game against the Rams. I hope. And then they're at the Rams. Then they get, you know what 10 days 10 11 days because that yeah. game against tennessee is on a monday so you get and i'm down on tennessee there but look when i looked at their schedule then i start digging in some more the chiefs game i haven't favored in 16 out of 17 games the only game i don't have the bills favored um and it's going to be close uh is at kansas city 
enormous revenge. I mean, that is the circled game, just like last year in the regular season. You remember when the Bills went to Kansas City with enormous revenge? And I like the fact that after that game, they have a bye, okay, even if it was a huge win, especially if it was a huge win. Uh, we have a bye, no emotional letdown. We have two weeks to get ready for Green Bay, who has to come to Buffalo. Um, so I actually like I, I like some aspects of the schedule, even though it does look tough in, in the beginning. But, yeah, like I said, I haven't favored in 16 and 17. Wouldn't be shocked if they close a favor to Kansas City. Take some sharp money there, and depends on how they're playing early on in the season. Um, gun to my head. I'd probably go over 11 and a half. Um, I wouldn't go over 12, but I'm at 11, seven. So, uh, but I think that chiefs game is going to swing a lot of things and I think they get them. And then obviously the Rams too. So, but I think they beat the Rams and I think they beat the chiefs. Those are two coin flip games that I think they're going to get. And that'll probably swing the win total either way. But um, yeah, it's not an easy, not an easy front half of the schedule. Uh, You get an early buy and then it's going to be, a lot of games, but it eases up towards the end. Um, I think the Bills will be okay. All right, let's move on to Miami. This team on paper has the potential to be a lot better than they were last year. I still think it comes down to to the quarterback and two at the end of the day, but there's a lot to like about some of the pieces they added around him. Um, they didn't really do much in the draft. They only had four picks total, none in days one or two, but uh, Mike McDaniel, new head coach, comes over from – the OC row in San Francisco. They had Tyreek Hill at wide receiver, Cedric Wilson as well, which is an underrated signing, but gives them some versatility and some depth. Uh, Trent Sherfield, I think should really help their special teams, which was 29th in DVOA. Uh, and then they got, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, which is a solid backup quarterback who can step in if two is uh, not performing up to expectation. Chase Edmonds at running back also got Mostert, um, who's a good special teamer as well. And uh, Teron Armstead. Armstead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Connor Williams, uh, you know, pretty solid interior lineman uh, who ranked number 11 uh, in PFF grades among 82 guards last year. Melvin Ingram, uh, they get on the edge on defense. So um, this is a quality roster. But at the end of the day, we've seen this before with, you know, teams can have a quality roster, but we kind of saw it with Denver last year. Like they didn't have many holes on the roster, but quarterback was one of the holes and quarterback could still be a hole for Miami. Um, so what do you think about this team? Because there's a lot of high expectations. The win total is is kind of it's middle of the pack at nine. The over is used to plus. I mean, the over is plus money at 105. So, um, you know, it's not a it's crazy overreaction, but uh, I'm curious to where you think Miami ends up. Yeah, I didn't do much. Obviously, I adjusted them for Tyree Kill, Armstead. I like some of the things I did in free agency. It's kind of like uh, some of the moves they made are like we're going for it now. The question is, is, is two already? I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the tools are there. We have to see how he reads defenses. Can he throw the ball down the field? How's it all going to work? I think Armstead helps the offensive line has also been a huge issue for two. You can't throw this all onto it. The offensive line has been one of the worst in the NFL uh, since he's arrived. Um, the defense is what would concern me a little bit for Miami. And, you know, you obviously had a really good signal caller calling the defenses. And one of the strengths of that defense is you had two really reliable corners still on the roster. But by the time September comes around and this always scares me, look, Byron Jones will be 30 and Howard will be 29 or 30 right when corner, you know, man corners, especially 
start you start to see a big drop off in production. So if that happens, I'd be really worried about the defense. Um, there's obviously some upside here bringing in Hill. The young offensive linemen get better. Tua takes that next step as a result because you have Tyreek Hill. You have a better offensive line. And then, you know, you're just improving over time. So there is a high upside here. And I also think that Teddy Bridgewater kind of um, increases the floor, right? So mm -hmm. if things are going wrong with Tua, you know what you're going to get from Teddy Bridgewater. Um, just steady, consistent veteran backup. So I think that he kind of raises the floor for this team. I'm right around where the market is at around eight, seven, eight, eight. We talked about this, I think, before. I think it's a team that you wouldn't want to bet on a win total. But if you like the upside, go, all right, maybe win division. It's going to be tough with the Bills, but maybe win the AFC. Because um, I do think that there's upside with a limited floor. So I guess I would go over, if anything, but I'm priced right around there. Maybe it's a team you take a shot on, even though the AFC is loaded, because I do think that there's some upside. Yeah, I think the AFC East at plus 450 is interesting for Miami because, like I said, if the Bills get off to a slow start, and they might not, like I, I, you made a good you know case for them not to, but it's still a tough schedule. And then, you know, if they get off to a slow start, second half of the season, that, that's when I think there's a little more parity sometimes because, you know, there's injuries and, and whatnot, you know, you can't really predict. So I, I think Miami is kind of live here, but it, it's going to come down to Tua. Their strength of schedule is middle of the pack. Um, but and Miami's another team, you know, that could also start slow. I mean, they start off New England at Baltimore and they play Buffalo and then they go to Cincinnati. So um, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. And they did kind of overachieve last year. Seven point six Pythagorean wins. They went nine and eight. Um, but I do like this team. I don't see a ton of weaknesses on a roster. Um, you know, maybe the corners slow down a little, but I really like their safety. Um, what's uh, Hollins and uh, you know, I, I love. Yeah. Yeah. Holland. And, uh, you know, I think overall it's a, it's going to be a solid defense. Maybe, you know, you're hurting from the loss of Brian Flores. That That's certainly an issue. I think he was a very obviously good coach, but intrigued. I'm intrigued by, by this Dolphins team. And here, the interesting thing about Tua and, and kind of throwing the ball down the field is Tua Tungavailoa actually led the NFL in yards per attempt on 20, on passes 20 yards downfield or more at 18.1. That, that's that's a crazy stat, but he was... What was the sample size? Exactly. He's second he fewest in attempt percentage. So second out of 37 qualifiers, according to PFF, 7.5 of his attempts traveled 20 yards or more down the field. So he was 14 of 29, 526 yards. Uh, so that's 18.1 yards per attempt, one touchdown, two picks. So sample size is small, but he seemed like a guy that he would only do it when it was open and you know when it was kind of... Warm. And Tyreek Hill is going to certainly increase those chances. So if he can go be anywhere near, you know, top of the league in efficiency, even if he's not throwing it deep, you know, at a top 10, top, you know, top 15 rate, if he's just middle of the pack and he's that efficient, you know, for a team that went nine and eight last year, um, I think there is some intrigue here with Miami. So um, I, the, I do what, like Miami. One thing I'll point out with Miami's schedule is the, the back half of it, you get a bye, and then you get the Texans, right? So you assume that's a win. But then you get into December. You're going to San Fran, to the Chargers, two games on the West Coast. We'll see what they do, back-to-back. -back. Then you're going to cross the country, warm-weather team, to Buffalo on the road, third straight road game. Then you're home in Miami. Maybe this works in your favor, playing a cold-weather team. We saw Green Bay go down to Tampa and not deal with the humidity. Well, 
last year, but you're playing, you know, it's going to be January, but you're, so you're coming all the way. Now you're coming to Miami to play green Bay. Then you're going back up to play new England. And then you're coming home to play the jet. I mean, that is not a kind late season travel schedule. Uh, two games on the West coast, three straight road games, and you're just going all over the country. Um, so it gets, it's, there's a, in the middle there before that happens, there's a nice easy stretch to kind of build towards the end of the season. But, um, if you're for the win total, if you're not like sitting pretty going into that stretch, it could fall apart. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the, the Dolphins. Let's go to the Patriots and New England's win total is eight and a half. Uh, they drafted guard Cole Strange in the first round. They drafted wide receiver Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Both of those picks were uh, rated significantly lower in pretty much every big board uh, and kind of draft ranking than the Patriots took them. So, and we also know their struggles with wide receivers. So I don't, I don't know how much of an impact Thornton makes period strange. I think, you know, could step in and start right, right away at guard. So uh, maybe, you know, that works in their favor, but they lost cornerback JC Jackson. They added Terrence Mitchell, who was, outside the top 100 in PFF grades at 116 corners last year, Malcolm Butler, um, you know, they added Devontae Parker at wide receiver. So that should help uh, that, you know, that room, but I, you know, I, I can't see this team being, I don't know if I can see this team being as good as last year, but uh, the one thing about last year's team is they had 12.4 Pythagorean wins and only went 10 and seven. So uh, you know, they are kind of due for some regression if you if you look into things like that. But there wouldn't, you know, I I just think the loss of Jackson is big. Like Bill Belichick is great, a great defensive mind, but he's not magic. Like, you know, JC Jackson was a big part of this team. And every year it seems like with Belichick's defense, they had this like really good cornerback. And I just don't know if they're gonna have that this year. So uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned about New England, especially, you know, Miami got better. I think even the Jets got better. Uh, Buffalo's one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel great about New England. But yeah, I have their win total is eight point, you know, juiced a little bit to the over eight and a half. Um, I'm between eight and a half and nine. Um, so I'm right there. Didn't love what they did in the draft. Uh, I thought that was an extremely strange pick. Uh, in pun intended first round yes pun intended uh so like yeah i didn't think that their roster got better um you know maybe mac jones takes a leap and that's what you're hoping uh translates onto the field and it's the most important position but i also like the schedule we talked about the division i think everyone around them got better and they didn't necessarily do so themselves now there's a more weird flex rules more so this year so this could change but they have four primetime scheduled four primetime games in a row Thursday at Minnesota, then Thursday home against Buffalo. This is all end of November, December. Then Monday night at Arizona, um, and then at the the Raiders on a Sunday night on a short week, like out on the West Coast for two in a row. Then you're home for a Saturday on a short week against Cincy, um, you know, and you're closing the season at Buffalo. I don't really love the schedule. I mean, from a numbers perspective, I have New England – with the 11th toughest schedule. So it's not like they have, you know, the, the hardest schedule, but just looking at it and kind of analyzing it, I don't love it, but I don't see any value in the win total. It's not a team I'm extremely high on, but we'll see what Mac Jones does in his second year or Bailey Zappi. Zappi, I had to get a shout out for my guy there. 
really zappy. But yeah, pretty <laughs> underwhelming offseason for the Patriots. This is a mediocre team, you know, with these quarterbacks, because, you know, everyone's going to kind of point to Mac Jones. And he was, you know, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, he was great last year. But a lot of times, and I've talked about this before, it's like rookie quarterbacks are usually good right away. And it's like, like second year jumps, it happens more so at wide receiver, um, you know, cornerback, some other positions. Quarterbacks, we kind of tend to see what they are a little earlier, unless there's like some – Waiting circumstances like I could see a Trevor Lawrence getting better, you know, year two without Urban Meyer and Mac Jones, highly recruited kid, played at Alabama uh, with really talented receivers off the line. Kind of know who he is. Uh, so yeah, I don't think that we're going to see like some massive jumps. He's pretty good last year. Yeah. Um, all right, let's jump to the Jets. They had an interesting start to the draft because they had three picks in the first round, uh, another in the second. So they got Sauce Gardner uh, at fourth overall, the corner. I think he's. He's going to be pretty good. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver at 10th pick. Jermaine Johnson, uh, an edge rusher who slipped down the board. So uh, I think they got good value uh, in the first round. Brees Hall, the running back, you know, don't love taking running backs early in, in the draft, but did do did love Brees Hall in terms of I thought he was the best back in the draft. I think he has a, a lot of talent. I think he's going to form a nice, you know, 1A to, to Michael Carter's 1B. Going forward, they added Lincoln Tomlinson, uh, Connor McGovern on the interior line. So that should be better. CJ Usoma and Tyra Conklin at tight end. So maybe it's not a black hole anymore. Um, DJ Reed Jr. Who had a really good season uh, at cornerback and is familiar with, uh, with Salah. He was top 10 in, in PFF grades at 116 corners. They had Jordan Whitehead at safety, uh, who was pretty good. They lost Marcus May, of course. So, I mean, the roster is better. I actually thought that the Jets their win total might jump up after the draft because, and they had a good draft, but it seems like the sharp money, you know, kind of still understood what was going on here because their win total actually dropped to five and a half. Now it's way juiced up to minus 165, but, uh, and they have, you know, they have one of the harder strength of schedules in terms of opposing win totals. It's uh, it's one of the six toughest schedules. So not, not an easy schedule. They have the nine road games. You know, what do you think about the jets is like the roster's improved, but is it, does it just come down to like Zach Wilson? Yeah, in a loaded ALC. Uh, I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. The Jets need Zach Wilson to be that guy. And if he is, uh, I kind of like where this franchise is headed because I had them with the highest rated draft of any team. I loved their draft. I mean, granted, I loved Sauce Gardner. But getting Jermaine Johnson where they did, I loved Wilson. Like, I, every single one of their picks, I loved. Start to finish, I think, you know, Gardner, obviously, you can't really expect much from a rookie corner. So, but I think Gardner's going to be a star. Um, so you have like, I think that you have a foundational top end all pro future corner, which is enormous in today's NFL. But I still think that this is, look, look I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. The AFC is still tough. You're still in a division with an improved uh, Miami team. The Bills will have this, the best, the highest rated team in the NFL. And then the Patriots who are, you know, eight, nine win team. And the Patriots own the Jets. Don't worry. Don't forget that. Um so, look, I wanted under six. I think I'll be able to find that. Um, maybe a little juice because I, I still project them at, you know, right around five wins. Um, I think I'm at four, nine, five. So I still think that they're a year away if Wilson shows uh, some promise this year. But um, I do, I'd love their draft, but I don't think it's going to really make a huge difference this year. Could in the future if Wilson's that guy. But this is one under I will be on. Jets under for the third straight year. Next year, Jets fans might be an over. 
if Wilson shows some promise here. Or my guy, Mike White, gets another shot. I don't even know. Who the, is he still the second backup? Might still be flat, though. I don't even know who the backup is right now. But uh, under under Jets for me, it'll be my first official play on this pod. Oh, no. We suck again. It's tough. I mean, why do you think their win total actually went down post-draft? Do you think it was just kind of Sharps, you know, not, you know, kind of hitting it on the under, kind of like you're planning to do? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought it was around – I think Maybe it was six. It was, it was definitely, there was a six. Cause I remember talking to you and, and saying like, Hey, like, I, I, I think this thing might go up um, after the draft. So I'm waiting to kind of take the under and then it did it. it. It's still, I mean, it's heavily juiced at five and a half up to the over, but still um, yeah. it's, it's I mean, interesting it's just, to me that like, it, like, you know, that kind of hype of the draft didn't, didn't really do anything. Yeah. That's just money. That's came in. But yeah, if you can get a six under six juice um, like that, uh, all right, let's jump to the AFC North, Baltimore. Uh, Kyle Hamilton mentioned him, the safety. They took him 14th overall, center Tyler Linderbaum at 25th. David Ojabo, uh, edge player in the second round. Mike McDonald comes in at defensive coordinator. They traded Marquise Brown, uh, but the secondary should be a lot better uh, this year. Remember, they were ravaged by injuries last year and uh, just had guys playing that had they shouldn't have been playing for as many snaps as they did, but they have Marcus Williams now. He's been a, a top seven uh, safety and PFF grades all but one year of his career, was seventh last year. Kyle Fuller adds some depth, but uh, of course, you know, Marcus Peters should be back. Marlon Humphrey uh, should be back. Ronnie Stanley, uh, a tackle, uh, should be back on the O-line. So I think this is a, a much improved team. They have uh, the, you know, 11th easiest strength to schedule by opposing win totals. They have games at the Jets, at the Giants, uh, home against Carolina, home against Atlanta, uh, and at Jacksonville. So they have a lot of gimmies, probably maybe more gimmies than any other team that I, I, I've seen in terms of their schedule. Their win total is nine and a half juice to the over at minus 140. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that, look, I, I project the Ravens at 10.6 wins. So I, I like the over here from, from a math standpoint. I love their draft. I have them with the second highest rated draft uh, behind the Jets. I love almost every single one of their picks. And just from a, I also love the hiring Mike McDonald. I think they needed to get away from the scheme that they previously had under Wink. And there's going to be health luck here. You got to remember, we talked about this in the last podcast. Going into last year, it was Chiefs, Bills, Ravens. Who's going to come out of the AFC? Well, what happened with the Ravens? I mean, they, were, they had some of the worst injury luck I've ever seen uh, in my life. I mean, they, you talk about their entire backfield going down, then their offensive line, then your entire secondary. They were playing games with third, fourth string corners and safeties um, for a number of games, entire backup secondary. It's enormous. So I love just the health luck. The schedule could have been amazing because they played Denver and Tampa because they finished in last place by losing the last game. But Brady came back and then Russ went to Denver. So it could have been even like, you know, without Brady and Russ, it would have been uh, just a hammer over, in my opinion. But obviously, that's accounted for in the numbers. So I kind of like the over, but we're going to talk about the other teams here. I like what Cincy did in the offseason. Um, I like what Cleveland did. And I'm really low on Pittsburgh, but it, there's so much on, I don't really want to take a win total on the Ravens. Like I, we already talked about this on our, you know, Super Bowl pod when we were talking about futures. I hope some of you followed 30, 40 to one on the Ravens, which I thought was outrageous. Still like them here. I think the 22, 25 to one you could find. I think it's a, I think they're going to be there. The thing that gives me hesitation about the win total or the division 
is we don't know what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson. That's a massive. Uh, you know, every team is playing them twice. The Browns are going to be significantly better if with a Watson that plays every game. Does he play five? That's a huge unknown. Goodell came out today and said we're wrapping up our uh, investigation, but then we won't have a ruling on the penalty for a little bit. So I that's what makes the win totals and the division bets hard here because one of the four, one of the three teams, I think it has a realistic shot. We don't know. Um, but I, I do think that the Browns will be good. They improve their team. The one win total that I do like in this division, despite the uncertainty uh, with Watson is, and I don't love it, but Pittsburgh under, I show value in very low on the Steelers. It's, you know, look at the quarterback situation. Look no further, but I think it's going to be a rough year for Pittsburgh in this division and in this conference. The AFC is loaded. Uh, I think the flyer on the Ravens hard to bet on the division and, and the win totals with the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens. So I think the status of Watson is so critical, and we just don't know. Uh, let me ask you this about the Ravens, and then we'll move on. What do you think of the, the wide receiver situation? Obviously, it's it would be a lot more dire if they didn't have Mark Andrews, one of the best pass catching tight ends, maybe the best now uh, in the league. But I mean, you trade Marquise Brown and now, you know, you're counting on Bateman to be that number one guy. I thought, you know, I thought scheme wise defenses really uh, started figuring out how to scheme effectively against uh, Lamar Jackson uh, last year. And so I'm just, I don't feel great about the fact that like it's Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay and James Prochet at the top of that, at the top of that depth chart. Um, is this, is this going to make this team kind of like a one of those under teams that just has a great defense and like does enough running the ball? Um, or, or like, what do you think of the offense, you know, without, without Brown? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they use either likely or Kohler who I bo- loved in college. I don't know what they're going to plan on doing. You're going to draft the two tight ends. You already have Nick Boyle's important in the blocking for running. And then you already have one of the best of Mark Andrews. What are they planning with all these tight ends um, using some draft resources on them? But I do think, that will probably hold them back unless what did they do in um, 2012? What kind of put them over the hump and who was huge in so many key possession, like third down, I need a catch. He, he, he really going to trust Bateman and, and they went out and got Bolden. Um, and he was Anquan Bolden was absolutely massive that year. I think they need to sign a veteran receiver. They need yeah. to get, uh, and I think that if they do, I think that they know that. Um, I think if they do, um, it will make a world of a difference. There's no team that can, you don't need to go get a superstar receiver. You need to get someone that's a reliable veteran possession receiver. Cause as of right now, that is a massive hole and I think it's going to hold them back, but I think they know that and we'll address it somehow is what I'm counting on. Uh, maybe during the season or before the season, but you're right. That's the biggest question because right now in a passing league, and I know that the Ravens are a running team, but ultimately, especially once you get into the playoffs, right? And the scout is even stronger and you have a full season of tape because you know they're going to have some nuances. They're going to add some wrinkles, right? With how they're using Jackson. But by the time the playoffs come, it's like, okay, we have eight, you've eight, 17 games of tape and this is what you're doing. And the scout are so much stronger and you're playing really good team. You're going to need to throw the ball. And right now your receiving core is Bateman, Duvernay and Prochet, I think, are the projected starters. That's scary. So, yeah, they need to address it. I agree. That's what will hold them back if they don't. The Ravens could be better at wide receiver if they can, you know, and they're not too many veterans on the market that could change it. But, you know, maybe they change, they trade for somebody. They've been aggressive in trades in the past. But Marquise Brown only averaged 11 yards per catch last year. 
uh, not a crazy, you know, third down threat either. So even though you think of him, you know, all the speed, all his talent, deep threat, he wasn't really a deep threat and he's not a great third down guy. So um, conceivably you could get better at wide receiver if you trade or, or sign the right guy, Bateman would be yep. in year two. Um, so I do like the Ravens, you know, 22 to one uh, for the Super Bowl, 12 to one for the conference. I think the division's intriguing, even at plus 210 where it is now, um, just because you're still getting plus money on a very high quality team that I believe you said you, you're over a win higher on their win total, right, than, yep. uh, than where it's at. So, you know, I, I think the Ravens' futures are intriguing, uh, even right now with the uncertainty with Deshaun. I agree with you. Uh, but let's let's move on. We'll go a little quicker through the rest. Yeah, of the I, I, I will say just Bengals. I know Bengals fans want to hear. There's a lot of hate out. I mean, they're out, hey, let's sell the Bengals. They were kind of lucky last year. They were in their division, but I like what they did yeah. in the draft, and I like what they did on the offensive line in the offseason. So I project, you know, their win total is like under 10 juice. I'm at 10.1, so would lean over there. But again, lots of uncertainty. I like the brown. I like what the Browns did, bringing in Cooper. Some of their drafts, their deep. They were unlucky last year in a number of ways. If Watson plays, they're scary too. Top of this division, just like the top of the entire seat, is loaded. Um, but I do like what the Bengals did. So, um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, all right, let's go to the uh, the AFC South. We got the Colts. And uh, I'm usually fading the Colts this time of year. But, you know, a lot kind of has happened even since last time we talked, just in terms of Looking at the schedule, they have the third easiest strength of schedule in terms of opposing win totals. You know, I liked the moves they made. I think losing Carson Wentz is addition by subtraction. Matt Ryan, I think, should be better than, than Wentz was. Kind of harkens back to that Philip Rivers season they had a couple years ago. Uh, I like the addition of Stephon Gilmore at corner. Uh, Rodney McLeod at safety. Uh, and Gakwe probably is not going to move the needle at this point. I don't know. He's, he just wasn't very good last year. But the schedule is so easy, and they – you know, they did kind of underachieve their Pythagorean win total last year by over a win and a half. So they had 10.6 for the Pythagorean wins. They went nine and eight, obviously collapsed down the stretch. This team could have easily been 10 and, 10 and seven or 11 and six last year. And I think the roster got a little bit better. Uh, I like the kid Alec Pierce that, that they drafted. I think he could come in and start now. You know, they, they'd still, I think, still need help at, at pass catcher. Um, Pittman would be better suited as like a high-end number two guy. But overall, I can't say they're worse than last year. They did lose Eberflus, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Because I feel a little better about the Colts than I have in probably the past two years. Hey, you're high on the Colts. What is going on? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, their win total is what? Uh, under 10? Nine and a half. It's nine and a half at, at DraftKings at minus 130 to the over. So, yeah. So it's in between yeah. nine and a half and 10, which is where I have them. I project them 9.7 wins. A lot of that has to do with their division. I have them with like the sixth or I mean, maybe the seventh or eighth easiest uh, strength of schedule because look at your division. I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously going from Wentz to Ryan is an upgrade. How much? We'll see. What does Ryan have left in the tank? I think going to a better offensive line situation will help him. Um, the Titans got worse. Um, you know, I think, you know, you could argue with, okay, we wanted to trade AJ Brown. We went and got Traylon Burks in the draft, but they're worse this year than they were last year, in my opinion. And um, it's not a great division. So that's working in the Colts favor. They're clearly, I think the best team in this division. I don't think the world's better than Tennessee, but I think that they're, I can say with confidence that I think they're the best team in this division. I am worried about the defense though. Guess who, the, who they brought in a defensive coordinator. That is not the, I, I think the path that you want to go in this league right now. 
with Gus Bradley. <laughs> so that, that scares me. Now, I know playing zone with Gilmore, I think as Gilmore's getting older, he can't really be like that lockdown man corner. I think that'll be kind of a fit, but we'll see what happens with Bradley. And I do, I, I really did like Eberflus from a scheme perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this team should win the division. But it's a, it's a, I didn't like their draft, first of all. Um, so you like Pierce. I, I can see it. He's got the tools and and the frame, and which I think is going to help him here. But overall, I didn't love the draft. What do you? I think the biggest wild card in this division because the Texans, I think we would both agree, and almost everyone would agree, they're going to suck this year. There's oh, not you can't really yeah. you can't really make any case. You know, we were talking about everyone is rosy about every team. No, no one is. That's the one. That's the one exception. Jacksonville. Um, you know, we we talk about Urban's gone. That whole fiasco. What can we expect a big jump from Trevor Lawrence? If so, you know, Jacksonville, what I, their, their win total is like over six juiced. Sadly, I haven't projected like five, eight, five, nine would lean under, but not enough value to bet it. But they're an intriguing. We did the, I did this last year. It didn't work out, but they're an intriguing bet for this division because I think Tennessee is significantly weaker. And if a couple things go wrong with the Colts, I mean, Jacksonville could win this division with eight, nine wins potentially. So I think that may be the look there, but, um, yeah, it's just that this is the the soft spot of the AFC for sure. Having one of the easiest schedules for this team helps a lot because, and you also have you know Matt Ryan playing indoors. That's that's you know continuing. It's not like Matt True. Ryan's going to some random you know cold weather team or you know we have to play outdoors all the time. So I think you know for what they're doing, I think they'll be okay. Um, I don't think Matt Ryan is a, a choker like Carson Wentz is in the same way, although he was behind that twenty eight to three game. So who knows? But um, yeah, I, I just think this Colts team, they were better last year than they got than they showed on their record. They're the best team in this division. The Titans, I mean, you lost AJ Brown, Julio Jones, you even lost Ferkster. So you have like a whole new receiving corps, essentially. And you don't get a lot of reps because it's it's Ryan Tannehill and this, you know, run every offense with Henry, but he's finally showed, you know, that he's not like completely inhuman because he got injured last year. Uh, and you know, as he kind of hey, piles he's 28, up, I yeah, mean, yeah, piles up the, the carries. This is the age when running backs start declining uh, a little more suddenly. Uh, you know, you, you you use the day to pick on a quarterback that you're probably not going to play in year one. So that not like a wasted pick necessarily, but, uh, you know, another guy that could have helped that now you don't have. Um, Traylon Burks is just a downgrade from A.J. Brown. Uh, yeah. What did he do? Like couldn't, couldn't even pass the conditioning test on his first try or something like that. Um, you know, n- another guy like you're not hearing great things about. Um early on in camp, which is not a good sign. So yeah, I, I, that, that's really why I'm a lot higher on the Colts than I was, you know, last time we talked a month or so ago is because I think the Titans got a lot worse. Usually you could count on the Titans to be, to kind of surprise people and, and out, you know, overachieve, but they overachieved last year, 12 and five of the Pythagorean win total of 10.2. Now it's at nine. And uh, if they, if they get to nine, it's going to be, you know, probably off the strength of the Texans and Jaguars alone this year. They, they, they still have uh, one of the harder schedules in the league. So the Colts have the third easiest according to opposing win totals. Uh, Tennessee's down at 21st. So like they're not benefiting in the same way. And it's, part of that is because they went 12 and five and won that division last year. So yeah, I'm, I'm a lot lower on the Titans than I was, um, you know, heading into the draft Jacksonville. I think people every year, it's just people project too much of a step forward for them. Like they're going to be better. They added Kirk. They added uh, Brandon Sheriff uh, at guard. Darius Williams, the corner, though he wasn't that great. The coach, you know, should help in Peterson. Uh, Trayvon Walker, not necessarily my favorite <laughs> number one overall pick, but should still help. 
Um, you know, so they'll be better, but you know, now that win total six tips, you know, if you're betting the over, they got to get to seven wins. I, I don't see this as a seven win team yet. Um, and then Houston, you know, you mentioned it, they're four and a half is the win total. And I still go under, uh, they had 4.1 Pythagorean wins last year. They went four and 13. They'll probably be lucky to do that again. They didn't really, it's Davis Mills. I mean, he wasn't the worst thing, but he's not anywhere near the top, even 20 quarterback in this league. So um, yeah, fading the Texans, fading, fading, fading pretty Especially much all these teams. If you can, get five, the if you can get five too, yeah, or even a yeah. really juiced five on Houston, uh, it seems not winning six games. Um, and yeah, if you want to take a flyer on Jacksonville, go for it. But yeah, I, I show value on, let's see, the under, not enough to bet any of them, but I show value on the under. So maybe I, I'll end up doing it on one or two of these teams on every single team in this division. Just want to let you guys know that Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product, unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball, or amount of hits in baseball, then you choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money that you put in. Uh, and the main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. But uh, let's let's jump to the AFC West because this is this is the division that I want to talk about the most. I think everyone wants to talk about the most. So let's let's go team by team here. We won't even we'll, we'll go in depth with each team. Kansas City. Let's start there. The win total is ten and a half. They had eleven point two Pythagorean wins last year, but they went twelve and five. Andy Reid, first time he didn't go over his win total with the Chiefs last year. If you got it at twelve and a half. Um, if you got it at 12, obviously push, but Trent McDuffie uh, at corner in the first round and then George Karloftis, uh, edge player. And you got Sky Moore in the second round at wide receiver. Um, good value there. I think it was like what, like, like the 14th or 15th receiver taken when a lot of big boards, uh, including mine, had him a lot higher than that at wide receiver, at least. So I think that was good value. Um, Brian Cook, a safety they get at the end of the second round. So they have four picks in the first two rounds. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is they lose Tyreek Hill. They lose Tyron Matthew. And they do add Smith-Schuster. They do add Valdez-Scantling at receiver. Um, they have the hardest strength of schedule in the league, according to um, opposing win totals. So, I mean, given all of this, like, how do you kind of judge where the Chiefs are going to end up in this loaded AFC West? Yeah, fascinating division. I mean, every team 
you could argue that Chiefs got worse. Um, you know, you lose war. You're gonna, you're gonna get. They're probably gonna count on McDuffie coming in starting. I would assume. I actually liked their draft overall. How important was Tyree Kill? Is a question. What happened with Mahomes at times last year, and including most importantly the second half of that Bengals game? Um, yeah, but like you look at the the Broncos, they bring in Russ. You look at the Raiders. You know, they bring in arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Um, this you look at the Chargers. I think one of the best teams in the AFC. The division is absolutely loaded. So if you look, I have the Chiefs with the toughest schedule, the Raiders with the third toughest, the Chargers with the seventh toughest, and the Broncos with the 12th. So the Broncos do have the easiest schedule, but it's still not easy because you're playing these other teams six times. So I, you know, I have the Chiefs power rated as the best team in this division. Chargers second them not really far behind at all Broncos and then the Raiders, but all these teams I have as above average, um, they're not that far apart. It wouldn't shock me if any one of these teams really won the division this year. I think they're going to beat up on each other. They're going to cannibalize each other. Probably going to come down to injury luck, um, close game luck. So I don't want to take any shot. Now, if I was going to take a shot in this division, I would take, I would take the longest odds. Um, But trying to figure out, you know, these win totals that the chiefs are 10 and a half, I project 10.2. Um, so I think the chiefs are going to be good. I don't think they're going to be as good as last year, but with Mahomes, he always gives you a shot, but it's the evolution of this offense. Where does it go now? Right. They were last year. They were trying, we know what Mahomes can do with peak Mahomes, but they were trying to figure out, okay, the league is adjusted and you saw flashes at times. And then it's, you said, wait, and it was head scratching. So I trying to figure out where this chiefs offense is going to go. So we know the defense is going to be great. They have so much money locked up in Mahomes and you lose Hill. So figuring that out, figuring out what what is what Russ do you get? Is Russ in a decline or was he just, you know, in an awful situation dealing with injuries last year? What what are we going to get with Russ? And how much does Devontae Adams improve the Raiders? And we know the Chargers, um, I think that they got better overall with their roster. We've seen what Herbert can do. Absolutely fascinating division. I think it's hard to call. It's also hard to call like one of these teams is going to get left out of the playoffs, most likely. Um, so maybe two. This is division I think is close to impossible to predict. I think everything is priced pretty fairly. If I had to, I'd fade the Chiefs. I'd take a shot on like the Raiders to win the division. What do you see in here? Yeah, it, I, I, I really worry about the, the Chiefs because I think Mahomes is obviously excellent, but losing Tyreek Hill – it doesn't just change, you know, obviously you're getting, you're losing over a thousand yards and a bunch of touchdowns and just that, but you're also changing just how defenses play you now. And yeah. like we already saw teams, even with Tyreek and Kelsey healthy teams kind of figured out how to play the chiefs. Now is the supporting cast overall a little bit stronger, like probably cause you have Juju, you have, you know, MVS, I think is still an upgrade on like Demarcus Robinson uh, you know, you, you're going to have Sky Moore. You're going to have, like, I think like you, when you're going down to like the fourth spot on the wide receiver depth chart, it's stronger than it was in years past. But at the end of the day, now you're focusing on Kelsey. He's, you know, at the, on the wrong side of 30. Um, so I think they're going to be easier to defend and they're going to want to spread the ball around, around a little more, but now, you know, like Marquez Valdez Scantling, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was having MVP seasons and Valdez Scantling was still kind of, you know, wasn't putting up great numbers. He had a couple of good games here and there, but I, I just think it's going to be tough. And then on defense, you mentioned, I think 
you know, they're not going to be great. They never really are. They, they kind of, kind of find, find themselves late in the season sometimes, but you don't have Tyron Matthew. You're relying on McDuffie. At, you know, lost Travarius Ward as well, who was playing really well for them. So now you're yeah. relying probably on McDuffie at corner sooner than you want to, to play big snaps. You know, you're relying on a rookie edge rusher and Carl Loftus to give them a boost as well. Um, and you know, you you might be relying on a rookie receiver in Sky Moore. And I think they need know, Sky Moore to hit. At this. Yeah, it's, they really need him to important, hit. Really important because Nicole Hardman didn't really hit. Um, yeah. So like. On, it, you know, it looks like maybe it's it's a lower ceiling team than it has been in years past. I mean, the floor is still incredibly high because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid. So the floor is high, but I can't really get behind the Chiefs in any meaningful way. They overachieved last year, um, even going 12 and 5, even though they did go under that win total at 12 and a half. Their Pythagorean win total was only 11.2, and that's why you're seeing it at 10 and a half this year. And um, considering that the division also got you know, they got worse and the division got a lot better. So uh, the Chiefs are not a team I'm trying to invest in uh, unless, you know, like the hype just gets overwhelming on the Chargers and Broncos. And we see, you know, a lot better value on the Chiefs. Um, I, I can't get behind it. Let's go to Broncos. Um, yeah, I agree. Chiefs, Chiefs, by the way, Chiefs says you need to, I think you could be right there again. And you could be regardless, but Chiefs will be elite again. It's, they need all, they need rookies at three important positions to hit. I think. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is huge at D end corner and receiver. Those are the three positions to watch. And then obviously how this offense evolves. But go ahead. Yeah, and I should say they're not like that's not out of the question. Like they they have a lot of great homegrown talent that they've found in the draft over the years. So, but like yep. you know, it, it's still it's just such a loaded division that investing in it is it, tough to say to recommend at this point. Uh, like, all yeah. right, Broncos. Nick Benito is the only day one day two pick. Uh, you know outside linebacker but the big news they add russell wilson a quarterback the schedule's middle of the pack their win totals up to 10 somewhat juiced to the over um they they were only seven and ten last year but they were an 8.9 win team uh, according to their margin of victory so they you know essentially their win total jumped one win it looks like it jumped three wins but it really you know all things considered jumped more like one win um considering they were like a nine win team last year uh and I've always said it, the Broncos roster is pretty elite <laughs> outside the quarterback position. And, and now they got the quarterback. Now they gave up, you know, Shelby Harris and Fant and some, some things I still think tight end will be fine with Okuwebunam and they, they, they drafted Dulcich as well. So, I mean, I don't know. This is the hype team. The Broncos are like the team with all the hype. Uh, what are you seeing here? Yeah. It's arguably the most complete roster, like t- both sides of the ball in the NFL. It's close. Like just if you look position by position, um, it's up there now. You add Gregory. Don't forget about that. I think yeah, that was a, yeah. a big signing. Um, you know, certain really flashed, like just, we talked about how it's really tough for, you know, young corners, rookie corners to come in and perform. Certain was one of the exceptions to that rule. Um, you know, so you still have two excellent safeties. There's, there's not, where's the, you know, you had bad health, like you'd have a quarterback last year, but you also, they had, they had bad injury luck last year, Denver, mm-hmm. um, especially on the defensive side at receiver as well. If Russ is Mr. Unlimited, whatever he says, and back to like anywhere close, 80, 90% of peak Russ, um, this team could win the Super Bowl. Um, now you have questions, new coach, 
How's that going to work? But I, I think it comes down, and then you're just in a tough division. So you you could get very excited even the, the playoffs, like you know, because who knows? You could finish fourth in this division. It'd be really good. Um, but I, I think the Broncos are one of the best teams in the AFC. It's all that there's no real holes on this roster. I don't, I don't see any position where you're like, eh, um, they need to address it. It's a really complete roster. And what I think that they need is they just need Russ. Is Russ who we still know Russ as? We saw him last year, but you, you know, you had the hand injury. You had an awful situation in Seattle, play calling, offensive line, just a mess. But is Russ deteriorating? Nah. Or is like he just needed to get out and then he's right back to Russ. And we still see the flashes, but I mean, like, what percentage of where he was, he's going to start to decline eventually because you have to remember that Wilson uses his legs as part of what makes him special. So eventually that's, you know, it's, it's not like he's Lamar Jackson and needs a run, you know, and, but I worry a little bit about Russ over time, but this team's really good. I have him power. I have him projected for 10.4 wins and their win totals over 10, what minus minus one twenty. Um, So no value here, but if Russ is Russ and he stays healthy, because if not, I think it's like ripping as your quarterback, look out. The Broncos are uh, very scary. The problem is, they play in a ridiculous division. Yeah, I, I like the Broncos still. I mean, I, I understand if you don't want to take the win total, but I think you have to look at Super Bowl. First of all, division, they're plus 250. You know, I, I like that. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this pod are just looking for some good plus money bets, you know, some juicy plus money bets that they can take that could hit. And I think Broncos are live to win the division. So getting them, you know, plus 250 is not bad. Uh, you know, they were, they were a nine win team last year, just, you know, even with Locke in that quarterback situation and a health situation and, you know, not really having a pass rush. Uh, I think they're well, I think they're going to be well coached with, with Hackett. I think, you know, even if he's not peak Russ, I think it's still going to be good enough. I think, like you said, the roster doesn't have holes. I think the Broncos have a blueprint in the past of kind of integrating a new quarter, uh, a new elite quarterback. Cause they've, they've done it before and, and gotten to the, to, to the Super Bowl. So, and their schedule, you know, even with facing the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders twice, the schedule is still middle of the pack, uh, 17th easiest in terms of uh, opposing win total. So, I, I think it's all there for Denver. And they're not going to have to rely, because they didn't have a lot of early draft picks. So, they're not going to have to rely on, like, a lot of these draft picks to hit. Like, even if Benito doesn't hit, you know, it's still, I think they'd still be okay. So, I really like Denver still. Uh, I know it's a scary division but that's why you know conference super bowl odds uh i think make and division you know even the division odds but i think you know looking at them for the for the afc i think makes a lot of sense uh, and you know they are uh you know eight and a half to one for that and then the super bowl um they are let's see what are they for the super bowl they're 16 to one yeah like those uh, i like it you know there's not a lot of holes you can poke in denver outside of things that they can't really control which is how the other teams in their division uh, our, our plan. So uh, like Denver a lot, let's go to the chargers, the chargers, uh, another team, I think really strong roster. Uh, they added JC Jackson at corner. They added Khalil Mack, an edge rusher. They drafted guard Zion Johnson in the first round. The schedule is on the tougher side. Uh, they're, I think it's 13th to 14th in terms of win, opposing win total. Uh, and then, you know, their win total is 10, just like the Broncos. Uh, it's juiced to minus 125. Uh, but they they were, you know, put this in perspective, right? The Broncos Pythagorean win total last year was 8.9 and the Chargers was 8.8. And that's with the Chargers having a healthy Justin Herbert and the Broncos having no quarterback. 
So I like the Broncos more than the Chargers. The market is higher on the Chargers than the Broncos, which is another reason I like them more. I think they provide a better value, but I still really like the Chargers roster. So it's like, I don't know exactly how I want to invest in the Chargers because I really like them. I just don't like them as much as the Broncos. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I actually, I said I had the Chargers ahead of the Broncos. I have them exactly the same. All right, exactly the same. I project the Chargers 10 wins. I think their win total is like over 10 minus 120, minus 125. So I would lean under, but not enough to bet it. Yeah, I mean, you have to really like their secondary now. You have to really like their quarterback situation. Their offensive line, I think, got better with Johnson. Still, right tackle still a little iffy. But where's the? this is a really complete roster as well, just like Denver. Hard to really poke holes in the Chargers. I, it, I think it's going to come down to just a couple games. Turnover luck, injury luck. Injury luck in this division is going to be everything. It's really hard to call. Chargers got a shot. They're going to be right there. Not much to not like about them. I think that they're priced pretty fairly. If you are a really big believer in one of the teams in this division, go for it. It's just this division is not for me from a betting perspective because whew, it is it's just tough. It's going to be an absolute grind for all four of these teams throughout the season trying to win this division. Probably going to be penalized also for like trying to get home. We know how important home field is, right? So I think yeah. that like the, the winner of this division, it's going to be really tough for them to have the best record in the AFC. And that's so big now with the one by and like are you, these teams are going to be beating up on each other. So who's going to get who's going to get that one seat? I mean, you have to. The Bills are probably the favorite to do so because you can't really see like the Colts, you, you know, winning 12, 13 games. Um, but it's going to be hard for one of these teams, I think, to, you know, get that one seed, get home field. Um, it's really hard to project because, man, if you could put all four of these teams in other divisions, certain other divisions in the NFL, and they'd be favored to win those divisions. They're all in the same division. So let me ask you this about the Chargers, because I think this could play a bigger factor than uh, it may usually. Um, what are, What is your view on Staley? As like, is he? Because a lot of people, you know, we liked him. I, I think coming in last year, like the scheme, think think it's kind of cutting edge. But I think there's two things about him um, that that draw criticism. Number one is he makes these like high variance decisions that, uh, you know third down wise, you know, going for it and, and all that stuff, fourth down wise, I mean. And number two, he kind of concedes the run uh, in, in order to play that scheme. Now, the Chargers have one of the more complete rosters in the league, but, like, now he's kind of playing with fire because, like, this team, like like I said, they, they still had a, a worse Pythagorean win total than the Broncos last year. So it's like, is Staley going to factor into this? And is he a plus EV coach or is he kind of neutral or is he – is he actually holding them back? Because I think that that could play a huge factor when you consider just how close these teams all are. Yeah, I actually like Staley. I think that he's going to be a, a – it's still TBD, but I think that I have him as plus TV, and I think he's going to be one of the better coaches. I think he got carried away with himself a little bit in that early in the season, everything he did was working. You just go for it off every fourth down and it was working, and it just kind of carried over. I think he's a net positive. Even though I didn't agree with everything he did this year, I think going forward he's a great head coach to have. I'm I'm still a little worried about about the run defense, uh, especially if like it comes down to like Chargers Broncos for a, a playoff spot or a home field or something, you know, whatever it is. They didn't really do much to improve the run defense. Uh, I still think there's you know, you know the, the defensive line and and you know on the inside the interior line and the linebackers aren't the greatest. So I, I just worry about that, especially you know you're facing the Broncos. They're going to have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in there and pretty good O line. 
you know, that's the one thing I think could be their Achilles heel still. So there's another reason why I, I favored the Broncos over them a, a little bit more. I still think that run D could be uh, pretty bad in LA after finishing, what was it, 30, 30th in DVOA. So yeah. um, that that's kind of their Achilles heel. Whereas the Broncos, I don't think have necessarily an Achilles heel, at least not, that's not evident now. Um, all right, let's finish up with the Raiders. They don't really do much on um in the draft because they, they had six total picks but none on days one or two but uh they did add some big names Devonte adams a wide receiver chandler jones on the edge uh rocky seen that corner who you know top 30 in pff grades out of over 100 corners uh they did lose casey hayward um and and in gakwe but you know the third hardest strength to schedule as you mentioned uh and something that really stands out and you know I, it's not you know, obviously every situation is different, but over time we've seen these things kind of trend toward, you know, the teams that overachieve on their Pythagorean win total tend to regress to the mean. And the teams that underachieve tend to revert positively toward the mean. Now Vegas went 10 and seven last year, but their Pythagorean win total was 6.9. So that is a massive, massive overachievement. So even though they did add a sexy name at wide receiver and an edge rusher and some sexy names overall, this team is probably coming from a lower point than is kind of perceived, especially because they made the playoffs and they even almost beat the uh, eventual conference champion Bengals. If, if, you know, some, you know, that the ball goes their way, it got hits off the, the guy's helmet. So, you know, I don't, I want to get excited about the Raiders and I, I do think there's some value in kind of taking them as long shot to win a division. But then another part of me kind of says, this might just be an average team again. Um, I don't, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they're clearly the worst team in this division. But with Adams now, you know, and we've seen flashes from Carr. And, you know, throw in Adams now with Waller. Um, you know, you got to still worry about the offensive line a little bit. They were definitely fortunate last year. But I do think that the defense will be a lot better. Getting Jones on the other side and then the defensive coordinator change. We both love Graham. Um, and they obviously needed to do some things scheme-wise. We saw what... Mahomes did to them, what, like 10 touchdowns and no interceptions in two meetings. They needed to make some changes on that side. I think that they are overall better, more talented, and I think that the coordinator change will help. This is a team that could win, I I don't know, 10, 11, 12 games in the NFC. It's going to be really difficult in this division. I I do think that there's some upside. Adams is going to just open up that offense for Mm -hmm. sure. Carr can play it like his peak level. This team's scary, and they're they're not going to be fun to play at all. Uh, at any point, but they definitely got fortunate. They're probably a regression candidate, but adding the defensive coordinator, adding Adams, you know, adding Jones makes me hesitant to go under here. You know, I project them, their win totals, but sitting under nine over eight and a half in between the two, that's about where I have them. Um, I don't hate a flyer on the Raiders to win this division, but again, this division is such a gauntlet. I feel bad for the Raiders because they, I think did some good things in the off season. And then, you know, you get Russ and then you get the charters and the chiefs. It's brutal. Uh, so it's a pass for me. I like what the Raiders did, but you're right. They're probably a regression candidate. Yeah. And I do love that edge though. You know, Max Crosby is one of the best. Uh, he's turned himself into one of the best edge rushers in the league. And then you Relentless. add Jones on the other side, like that's, that's big, but like, and I like that they have three guys, three of the best separators in the league at their positions, Adams and Renfro. Adams at, on the outside, Renfro in the interior, and then Waller at tight end. Uh, so, yep. like, they have all the tools, but <laughs> somehow they still have the fourth best quarterback in the division. Uh, even though Derek Carr is 
playing well and he's got a great supporting cast, like their pass offense may still probably will still be the fourth best in the division. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's all about the division and the strength with me, you know, with, with this team, it's the third hardest strength to schedule kind of illuminates that, you know, it's, you know, a lot of different ways you can kind of rank it and then they come out as one of the toughest. So uh, yeah, like, like I think the Broncos are kind of my team that, I, that I'm targeting here and, and one of my favorite in the AFC, uh, but that's going to yeah. do it for the AFC. Um, let me, let me, let's wrap up real quick. I think Ravens for me, yeah. Ravens future, uh, I like the Ravens future. I like the, I think the jets are still a year away under six, probably my favorite win total. Then also, even with the uncertainty of Watson under Steelers, you know, if you can get under seven plus money under seven and a half, I like those three. So Steelers under jets under and, uh, Ravens future. How about you? What do you want to highlight? Yeah, I like I like the Ravens as well. Division, conference, Super Bowl. Uh, like the Broncos division, conference, Super Bowl. Uh, and then fading win totals for the entire AFC South outside the Colts. Um, and, and I actually like the Colts over now. I've kind of done a complete 180. Uh, but it's a lot to do. Like it was just really between them and the Titans. And going into the draft, the Titans still look like the better team. Now they don't. So like now, you know, give me the Colts. Um, so that, that's the win total over that I like, but uh, this is going to do it for the AFC, uh, our AFC episode of the action network NFL pod. Uh, be sure to also check out, as I mentioned, the fantasy flex podcast where Sean Kerner and I will be breaking down uh, the fantasy implications uh, post draft of every single division and, and just kind of how these teams are set up deep diving on every player, uh, every fantasy relevant player and every team. Uh, be sure to leave this pod a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can find Stucky uh, on Twitter at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N. Uh, you can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>